Futurize goes beneath the trends to track the underlying forces of disruption in tech, policy, business models, social dynamics, and the environment. I'm your host, Rulnarne Unheim, futurist and author. In episode 67 of the podcast, the topic is the future of longevity. Our guest is Dmitry Kaminsky, partner at Deep Knowledge Ventures. In this conversation, we talk about what is longevity and why does it matter if we live longer. We discuss the difference between health span and lifespan and the intersection of age tech, wealth tech, and fintech. What about the silver tsunami of aging and the quality-adjusted life year, the qualies? What are the scenarios here? and the rise of the policy scene for longevity, biomarkers on the path to population health, and how AI intersects with longevity. We also discuss P4, the preventive, precision, personalized, and participatory medicine emerging, and who will first reach their 123rd birthday. Dimitri argues we should have a Manhattan project for longevity. We discuss the longevity industry 1.0 and 2.0 towards the next trillion dollar industry. Dimitri, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. Uh, yeah, it's great to have you good. here. Likewise. All right, so Dimitri, you are a uh, uh, entrepreneur and investor, and you are deeply embedded in the field of longevity. Um, I believe you are from Moldova, uh, and I have a lot of questions uh, to you about how you actually got involved in the field of longevity, and if that's related to sort of where you're from, if it's related to your educational background, or it's something that you kind of have been thinking about for a long time. So give us a sense. Why are you so fascinated, uh, and why do you care so much about longevity? Right. So actually, my background is IT, uh, IT and uh, programming. However, uh, you know, most of my uh, business career was re- related to finance uh, industry, actually to fintech. Uh, at the same time, approximately seven years ago, I met uh, several scientists uh, who were working uh, in the so-called aging resource field. Uh, now they're quite uh, you know, famous and well-known scientists. At that time when I met them, you know, to me, what they told and what they were explaining it sounded, uh, first it sounded a little bit, you know, I would say crazy maybe or futuristic. However, uh, when I proceeded to, to speak with them, you know, to explore this field, I understood that in reality, uh, this topic of uh, actual life extension, practical life extension, human life extension, it is not that so much futuristic. It is, uh, to some extent, it's quite realistic. Uh, the only question, uh, you know, how... Uh, how it will be structured, how it will be administrated. Because uh, uh, one thing it is a deep science and the other thing it's, uh, you know, practical technology, practical implementations. And um, uh, with my absence of biotech or biomedicine background, but with my, you know, some experience in uh, business administration, you know, with implementation of IT projects with different, you know, administration of uh, teams and, uh, you know, several projects in parallel way, uh, I understood that uh, probably with some, uh, let's say, additional education, additional knowledge, uh, but at the same time, uh, high level of commitment uh, towards you know, management of the products, uh, probably I can apply some of my you know, capabilities and some, uh, let's say, skills. And plus to that, I, I had some you know, initial capital which I actually decided to partially withdraw from my previous business and to apply to this uh, new business. However, uh, because um, you know, we have quite pragmatic approach to the business, we started uh, with such point that we incorporated Agent Analytics Agency in London. Uh, it was back in 2013. And uh, this company actually became you know, core uh, of generation of our knowledge and expertise in this field. And by the way, uh, our group is named Deep Knowledge Group. Uh, our investment arm, first investment arm, it is Deep Knowledge Ventures. Uh, recently, we established also Longevity Capital. This investment fund specifically focused on the longevity industry. Uh, but this, uh, you know, brand Deep 
knowledge. It's not just for, for fun. We are considering uh, knowledge and expertise as uh, you know the best possible asset uh, in the business. And more of it in longevity because it's over complexity. So it's uh, the most complex uh, you know field and industry in human history. Um, so that's why you know knowledge it's essential. It's crucial, and uh, that's why. Uh, you know, we are focused on generating knowledge. And uh, with this company, Agent Analyst Agency, you know, s- during first uh, several years, uh, between 2013, 2017, uh, it was ma- uh, major, you know, uh, just, um, let's say, a tool to explore the field, you know, to understand better. Uh, mm. However, starting so- somewhere from 2017, we started to make much more tangible, much more practically applicable research specifically focus not just on science but also on business on investment uh, business analytics and even uh, to such extent as uh, you know uh, policy and governance so we even start to analyze uh, you know practices of different governments in this field Dimitri why do you say that it is the most complex uh, topic in human history uh, it's uh, the most complex uh, you know field of science so for example uh, humanity already, you know, made like tremendous progress in space exploration, which was uh, at some point of time maybe the, you know the most complex, uh, let's say, uh, threshold. Then uh, humanity already achieved extreme progress, in, let's say, in artificial intelligence, in uh, you know multiple other fields uh, such as maybe you know like very specific fields like nanotechnologies and even biotechnologies. However. And especially, uh, you know, in uh, medicine, in a sense like uh, like healthcare, like treating some particular diseases. However, this field of uh, prevention medicine, you know, longevity in a sense of extension of health period of life with the focus on enhancement of uh, performance of immune system, uh, science is yet, you know, at the very early stage uh, and technologies, uh, let's say, they're quite like hundreds of if not thousand technologies already on the market, many of them yet, you know, close to the market and tens of thousands are yet uh, to come in the next decade. And uh, that's why the science of longevity is the most complex science. Uh, the business of longevity also uh, much more complex compared with, uh, let's say, business in biotech industry or biomedicine. Well, we'll get into the the depths of that a little later, but I'm just curious about a couple of the concepts here. So I was going to ask you, but you actually kind of defined it. You know, what what is longevity? And you seem to just now define it as some type of enhancement that does indeed have the aim to increase lifespan. But I've also understood that in this longevity business, health span is sometimes equally important. And, and that's, I, so that, I guess that's going to be my question because you know, longevity could be questioned, right? I mean, I could say, hey, why do you want to live so long? You know, that's, that's kind of a choice or it's, it's sort of like arguably whether that is actually a moral goal or, or at least we can discuss. But health span is a whole other story. Like no one can really discuss whether it's better to be in good health or not. So tell me about this tension in this longevity debate between health span and lifespan. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, let's say, opinions and different perceptions and a lot of discussions and, uh, you know, even uh, absolutely different, um, let's say, opposite um, waves of thinking and, you know, kind of, let's say, considering this. Uh, but I would start that uh, even neurotech, you know, health of brains and, uh, you know, efficiency of performance of uh, brains, uh, it's actually probably the most crucial part of uh, longevity. Because, you know, uh, to be kind of in healthy body but without uh, working uh, brains, it do not make sense. Uh, so that's why, you know, ha- uh, like um, uh, extension of healthy uh, period of performance of uh, brains, it's uh, one of the most crucial part of uh, longevity as, you know, if to consider like uh, technology of life extension. Now, you know, just to extend artificially your life, uh, let's say to some very significant uh, time frame, like 120 years, 123 years or even beyond, but to be extremely sick, you know, to suffer from disease, it also do not make sense. So uh, that's why... Uh, 
Of course, uh, when we are talking about longevity, first of all, uh, in our opinion, this is a, uh, should be focused on about extension of healthy period of life. And this is health span, which is, of course, opposite to uh, lifespan. And uh, there is that gap between a healthy period of life and, uh, you know, uh, unhealthy period of life, which named Dali, disabled life years. And uh, what is uh, important, that in the case of super centenarians, Uh, most of them actually, actually living quite healthy to the very, very end of their life. And this differentiates them from you know, average people who are living, some of them quite long, for example, up to 90 years or 100 years or even 105 years. Super is actually people who are living beyond 110 years. But the point is that uh, most of uh, non-super scenarios, uh, they can live quite long, unfortunately not uh, healthy, you know, during the last... Uh, the case, first, first of all, because their immune system is disintegrated, not performing very well. So uh, medicine can artificially prolong their life, but it's uh, not what could be named, uh, you know, normal life. So it's like, uh, uh, like years will suffer. And of course, when we are talking about advanced technology, about, you know, really uh, frontier technology and, uh, advanced by medicine, preventive medicine, precision health technology, you know, in part with data science, artificial data, We're talking about prolonging that period of life when people are healthy and their immune system capable to maintain, neutralize, you know, and uh, repair damage and different, you know, issues, uh, mutations, so on and so forth. So, Dimitri, I wanted to go into some of the technologies in a second, but could you please first define the market for me? Because in your, so I've read your recent book, uh, I believe, Longevity kind of 1.0, and I know you're working on some enhancements or you're going to issue some uh, some more stuff soon. Uh, but you have some pretty bold claims in there, which I guess goes to what you were just saying, that it kind of includes all of these technologies and, it, and you know, as a field, If you define it so broadly, then of course it, it becomes a massive market because you're essentially including all the technologies that go into it. And it's kind of a large chunk of, of the healthcare market as well. Tell us how you uh, define the market of longevity uh, now and in the future and how, you know, where do you even find the numbers? I, I, I'm assuming you have kind of almost come up with your own numbers because there aren't that many VCs yet that have taken longevity as their sort of sole purpose? Uh, so, uh, first of all, uh, currently there are several tens investment funds, particularly focused on longevity topic, and there are several hundreds of investment funds, for example, focused on Neurotech, which is, again, uh, actually part of longevity. More, there are probably several thousands of funds uh, focused, or at least partially focused on what could be considered H-Tech, So right, so they call it either aging or health, or but but the term longevity is is that increasingly being kind of used as an investment term? Yeah, I, I will actually you know bring you some uh, very specific uh, formulations and actually you know some evolution of this uh, branding and who is understanding what. When we started in this field, you know, uh, back in 2013-2014, this field was mostly uh, branded as anti-aging. However, this term was diluted by multiple, you know, like kind of like, um, uh, strange companies who are pro promoting different like magic creams or magic, you know, pills capable to kind of make magical kind of things, you know, with your body to rejuvenate, so on and so forth. Uh, apparently, most of them are in the best case scenario just placebo, so they're, they're not working, but uh, maybe they're not uh, harmed, uh, although some of them actually harm. Now... For the time, approximately it happened uh, around 2017, you know, the actual progress in biomedicine, uh, mostly driven by digital medicine, you know, different uh, M-health, like um, mobile phones, uh, wearables, you know, different kind of, uh, um, let's say, uh, devices, medical devices. So the progress in that field became so apparent that uh, many, many investors, you know, decision makers, they actually started to to pay tangible attention uh, that this, you know, technology that capable to extend healthy period of life and uh, with that, you know, uh, greatly to extend uh, actually lifespan or extend uh, life. Now, uh, around 2017, also this, um, uh, you know, some transition uh, happened towards uh, particularly this uh, uh, term longevity, 
because more and more people started to understand uh, from different angles. You know, uh, scientists who were making research in aging research, but they started to be considered as sci- uh, you know scientists of longevity, human longevity. Then uh, investors also uh, they started quite clearly to, to formulate that we are needed to, in- to invest into technologies capable to extend human longevity. And then uh, you know uh, multiple media. Uh, and even, you know, politicians, they started to, uh, to, to use this word. However, uh, back in 2017-2018, it wasn't considered as an industry. And uh, at the same time, you know, the, let's say, focus of multiple uh, players, who were, most of them are yet using in a different uh, uh, particular terms or, you know, words or brands, uh, uh, or let's say they, they had different perception. Uh, however, most of them already quite clear, you know, one year ago, it became quite, uh, let's say, practically applicable to consider that this is a separate industry with separate rules. It is much more complex compared to biotech or biomedicine. So, you know, new new approaches, new data science techniques are required to analyze, to, you know, uh, kind of like make investment on it. So due diligence uh, in case of, you know, if you're considering from the point of view of investment. On the other hand, uh, in terms of uh, scientists, so to consider just uh, biomedical, biochemistry uh, side of this uh, topic is not enough. So it's uh, it's less about uh, healthcare in some in in the sense of sick care. It's more about you know I would say uh, management of human body in the sense that if you are becoming CEO of your own health and your own longevity. So we're dealing with a lot of uh, issues, you know, with a lot of uh, problems, but also opportunities. You're having uh, a lot of, uh, you know, you need to, to make a lot of choices in life, what to do, what not to do. And, uh, for example, how to keep active uh, with high performance, but at the same time, you know, not to overstress. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, what technologies to use uh, in the sense that uh, there, there is a lot of already on the market, but... And a lot of uh, yet to come in the, let's say, during next year, during next three years, during next 10, 10 years. And if you are CEO, efficient CEO of your own health, you need to be aware. So that's why you need to be also educated. You need, you need to get, you need to have access to source of information, reliable information, or tangible, practical, applicable information. And to go back to this, uh, what does it mean industry and uh, about the number? This uh, was the greatest challenge for aging organizations to create the framework which will be capable, you know, in a tangible, uh, relevant way to analyze the industry. And uh, we succeeded to, to do that. Uh, and, you know, we, we created the framework and this book, Longevity Industry 1.0, defining uh, the industry. So actually, first of all, it's providing this framework. You know, it's providing uh, in a simple, comparatively simple way, explanation uh, what is included into this industry? What sh- shall be included? What shall be considered as part of this industry? And what shall be not considered? And uh, uh, our current assessment uh, is uh, the size of the industry is 17 trillion dollars. It's actually a- a corresponding with assessment of uh, Bank of America, uh, which is assessing that uh, the size of, uh, uh, let's say, uh, aging population market uh, there are one. Did, one did I hear that correctly? You said seventeen trillion dollars, right? Seventeen trillion dollars, and in the next uh, five six years, it will grow at least up to twenty seven trillion dollars. This includes, uh, first of all, you know, uh, market of people who are now in retirement. The, uh, there are one billion people in retirement globally, and uh, you know, you can consider them a seventh continent, and actually, you know, the wealthiest continent because. Uh, Many of those people, they're not just uh, old, but they're also holding the biggest uh, wealth assets. And that's why uh, this market also, you know, uh, becoming the most interesting for asset management firms, including, you know, private wealth banks. Now, uh, on the other hand, of course, uh, this includes uh, uh, biomedicine, age tech, you know, and uh, multiple other uh, fields, including in the wellness. And in reality, if to include, uh, so this is a very, let's say, very conservative assessment because if, if to include all, uh, you know, the capacity of all healthcare systems and pension systems, you know, uh, longevity financial industry components. So in reality, it would be much beyond than 20 trillions and I think even more than 30 trillions. However, 
you know, to yeah, because you, you talk about the novel financial system related to this. Like, there, there, basically, there's longevity index funds and hedge funds, and you, you're sort of imagining that it could be stock exchangers and entire kind of financial instruments completely dedicated to to you know, longevity trusts and even like age tech banks and like all kinds of financial products that sh you I, I guess you're envisioning should be geared towards this sector. Um, you also talked about talk about you call it uh, gero science R&D. So in that you put all the rejuvenation stuff that we were just kind of talking about regenerative medicine but also like even things like nutraceuticals so like non-regulatory uh, you know, in uh, interventions and and but also more like medical therapies, like preventive, personalized diagnostics and things like that. Um, cognitive enhancement seems to be you know part of you know a, a much broader notion of of age tech that you have. I'm looking here at this cube at the you know on the first page of the book, and you know you say it's simple. And I'm sure to you, uh, it, it is simple because you have structured an enormous amount of information. But when I look at it, you know, it's literally a cube with, uh, I don't know, uh, eight by uh, 36, uh, you know, fields that are all intersecting. So, I mean, this isn't very simple. Exactly. So here's the point. Uh, when Agent Clinic Agency was created uh, during the first uh, several years, uh, we were analyzing, we were trying to analyze this uh, field of uh, geroscience and, uh, you know, biogerontology, uh, rejuvenative medicine, uh, using uh, quite typical approaches which are, you know, quite common in biotech industry and biomedicine. However, the more we were analyzing uh, this field, uh, the more we understood that, you know, we are lacking with, uh, we have some gaps because uh, typical approach for analysis Especially for investment, it's, it do not uh, do not make sense in this industry. It's uh, over complex in the sense that you need to take into account much more, uh, you know, components and even dimensions. Uh, this is why eventually we started to apply so-called multi-dimensional, you know, vector space. So for different uh, to analyze different objects and some, you know, uncertain fields in in, in this. Uh, uh, over complex uh, environments. So we started to apply quite advanced data science techniques. One of them is uh, quite well, uh, you know, simple for understanding for actually data science, which can be named, uh, which is named multi-dimensional vector space. And for analysis uh, in this um, in this field, for you know, comp uh, let's say uh, specifically very complex uh, segments of this industry, we are applying, uh, let's say, free. Uh, four and even in some cases six dimensional uh, structures, you know, in, uh, let's say uh, dimensions to analyze uh, some object, for example, companies uh, as the uh, geometrical uh, objects, uh, you know, applying them some uh, even visual features. Uh, this is uh, gives some uh, us opportunity to, to use more advanced, uh, uh, let's say, dashboards and more advanced visualization systems. Uh, which again uh, gives uh, human analysts some additional insights how to apply more advanced, you know, uh, mathematical uh, methods. So it's like a combination of pure mathematics uh, with uh, human intelligence, and then big data analysis and uh, data science, machine learning, and uh, you know, advanced visualization. So we are using uh, like all uh, affordable, let's say, accessible for us uh, techniques to analyze this industry. But with that. Actually, it's becoming, uh, you know, the level of analysis becoming relevant in the sense that uh, we are capable to analyze it. And uh, uh, for us, this overcomplexity uh, stopped uh, at some point of time, I think around two years ago, we understood that for us it's, it's very complex, but it's like understandable. You know, we, we can understand, we can analyze, we can profile, we can, you know, make snapshots of the in-stream uh, on, on the entire scale, on the global scale. And, uh, uh, and Dimitri, you, you, yeah, sorry to interrupt you. You, you got a little press for. Uh, I wanted to kind of hit on two things that you got uh, a little press on. One was, uh, I think you at some point had an algorithm uh, running to analyze these things called Vital, uh, yeah. validating investment tool for advancing life sciences, and and you got some headlines in the UK for being the first company that put an algorithm on the on the uh, board of directors or something. What what was that about? 
Well, uh, literally, it was, you know, first iteration of the system, which we are using now for analysis of this uh, longevity industry. Initially, it was for biotech industry. It was, uh, you know, experimental uh, system. By that time, it was uh, quite advanced. Uh, you know, if to consider now, it was uh, very simple. So probably now we have something like a third uh, generation of that system. Uh, and... Um, uh, technically, it was uh, absorbing information from multiple sources in a partially uh, semi-autonomous way. It was uh, profiling them. It was, you know, giving kind of like a lot of uh, uh, data points. And uh, we were applying a big data analysis. At the time, it was uh, 2014, you know, artificial intelligence uh, was quite simple. I mean, artificial intelligence uh, algorithms or, you know, capabilities were quite simple. Uh, by now, they they like evolved extremely significantly. So that's why uh, what uh, by that time was extreme change in, in terms of you know software, some kind of like technical, you know IT software uh, visualization, infographics um, uh, changes. Now it became uh, in many cases radio the shelf. So and uh, you know uh, this system evolved. However, at that time, we were, we were thinking to apply it for investment fund. And uh, the idea was, you know, to operate in biotech industry. However, as I mentioned, you know, within a couple of years, we understood that uh, biotech industry is uh, not interesting for us. Uh, specifically, longevity is much more interesting. However, for longevity, much more, uh, you know, sophisticated system is required. So th there shall be applied... Uh, much more advanced uh, data science techniques, much more advanced, uh, you know, specific uh, software solutions. And uh, I think, uh, you know, that we, we made uh, quite good progress. And uh, actually, in the book, it's also mentioned that we, in the next several months, uh, till the end of this uh, 2020, uh, we are launching uh, several specialized dashboards, including, for example, uh, longevity investment analytics, uh, longevity financial industry and longevity governance dashboard. So it will be uh, partially free of charge. So, uh, there will be some quite a lot of information. For example, in case of uh, longevity investment uh, dashboard, uh, there will be analytics about um, approximately 50,000 entities, including companies and uh, investors. And uh, uh, we will provide um, some of that information free of charge. Uh, however, for very professional participants, for example, for investors who are actually aiming, you know, to generate profit. So it will be already a proprietary commercial uh, solution. And uh, of, of course, uh, it will be already for money. However, once again, for our approach with Asian agency, that uh, because we are interested that uh, this industry will evolve, it will be better structured, you know, better harmonized and uh, uh, more people will be educated and will have uh, access to more information, better structured information. So that's why quite a lot of uh, it was our you know mission approach during seven years to publish quite a lot of uh, analytical reports free of charge, open with open source approach. We were making also proprietary reports, commercial reports, uh, and uh, with this uh, you know big data analytical dashboards, uh, which I actually you know. Uh, assembling information in real time and uh, giving outputs and some, you know, some insights and some, uh, especially there will be quite a lot of infographics. So people, even without uh, specific deep knowledge in uh, geoscience, but uh, viewing some uh, figures, some graphs, some diagrams, they will be able to understand, you know, uh, general uh, inputs uh, quite easily. I'm talking, first of all, about investors who are, you know, newcomers in the sense that, for example, they were previously, let's say, in real estate or tourism. And now because of pandemics, they understood that <laughs> this do not make sense, you know, to, to proceed uh, to invest in those things. However, uh, life and health longevity is the most precious asset. It's uh, much more beyond than actual so-called real assets. What do you well, that's that's great. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about the future, but I wanted to just briefly go back to what kind of got you started. Tell me about your portfolio company in Silico, because I believe you were instrumental in in getting that that company going. Uh, uh, and uh, tell me how how you got involved with them and what are they up to? Uh, well, actually, uh, people behind this company they were uh, one among those who actually, uh, who actually. Uh, ignited me, you know, to get into this field of longevity. The company was started back in 2014. 
and uh, we were the first investors to, into that company. Uh, recently, so in Silicon Valley, actually, uh, by our opinion, uh, number one in the world in applying artificial intelligence for drug discovery, and they made uh, tremendous progress in the field, specifically applying deep learning and so-called GANs, generative adversarial networks. This is like the forefront of uh, deep learning itself. Like, let's say next generation artificial intelligence system for drug discovery. But what is uh, more important, recently they made a spin-off uh, called Deep Longevity. And this company is focused on uh, development of biomarkers of aging longevity. This is the most crucial, the most you know, essential part of further development of the industry. Uh, however, uh, during the last years, we also supported a number of other companies. One of the most recent and I would say, you know, interesting and promising project for us it is longevity banking card. So this uh, this card is already launched uh, in the UK several weeks ago. The public launch will be something, uh, something like uh, by the end of November in the UK and Europe. And they have plans, you know, also to expand to US, I think in quarter two, 2021. And what exactly is it? Longevity bank account? What do they do? So it's longevity bank account. It is, uh, you know, first product for uh, future upcoming longevity bank. Uh, we will be focused uh, our investment fund, longevity capital. It will be the initial investor in longevity bank. Uh, I'm going, you know, actually to focus uh, myself on the project during the next uh, several years. Uh, whereas longevity bank account, it's uh, first initial, uh, you know, um, trial uh, product. Uh, which is actually a uh, spin-off from uh, one of our companies. And it's uh, basically it's fintech project focused on health tech, on insure tech and, uh, you know, age tech. So it's uh, considered like quite advanced fintech uh, solution, but actually uh, this uh, banking card, master, it's MasterCard uh, named Longevity Banking Card, which giving uh, access uh, for their users to the marketplace, curated marketplace, where assembled several hundreds uh, relevant uh, products and services. Uh, and, uh, you know, there are some differentiations, for example, for UK market, for European market, for Germany, for Spain, uh, there are some, you know, specifics. For US, of course, there will be additional specifics. But overall, it's like, uh, uh, you know, for people who do understand what's in fintech, it's like quite advanced fintech marketplace. And uh, users, uh, first of all, they are having access to validated, relevant, curated uh, products on that marketplace or services, but also they're, they're having quite a lot of discounts and rewards because vendors who are delivering those products, they interested you know, to uh, stimulate people to stay on that marketplace and to use those products. And that's why they're interested to, to deliver discounts. Dimitri, uh, this topic uh, intersects between a lot of different disruptive forces. You know, we've talked about uh, some market forces and business uh, models that are coming out of this. We have talked a little bit about the technologies. Now you mentioned all these different countries that clearly are interested in taking care of their population. You know, uh, e even before COVID, right? You know, health and longevity was uh, an aging, obviously, is a, is a focus of various countries. Uh, you've been involved in... UK policy making a little bit in, in this space. Tell us about how you know how, how you got involved with that and, and what, what exactly you, you you've done in the policy sphere. Uh, yes, so you know during 2018, uh, to, uh, probably even 2017, I also got involved into the work of uh, all parts parliamentary group on artificial intelligence into all parts parliamentary group on blockchain in the UK. So uh, there are a group of parliamentarians who are supporting these topics. Uh, they're creating uh, such groups and they're also, you know, uh, communicating and, uh, with a uh, group of different people who are also interested in, in this field. So with Deep Knowledge Analytics, it's our, uh, you know, another analytical subsidiary along with Aging Analytics Agency. We profiled the entire AI in UK industry uh, and then blockchain in the UK. And we delivered that uh, analytical reports with mind maps, quite comprehensive analytical reports uh, to those uh, parliamentary groups. Now, because of that experience, uh, we actually discussed with some, uh, you know, our friends and partners who already were involved in some policy, you know, activities in the UK regarding health and longevity, preventive medicine, uh, to establish the same, uh, let's say, to initiate, you know, to, to kind of um, support established of similar group, but on longevity. And uh, to our surprise, uh, that initial, so first of all, we incorporated a uh, company, Longevity International UK. 
And uh, that company became secretary for all parts planetary group on longevity in the UK parliament. Uh, but what what was actually surprising to us that uh, uh, we got very, very uh, positive feedback at the very initial stage from a number of parliamentarians uh, and, you know, members of House of Wars who support this initiative. It was established uh, very quickly and quite proactively. And uh, it got quite a lot of, you know, interest from uh, multiple let's say, stakeholders and, you know, different players, uh, including uh, insurance companies, you know, investors, uh, different, uh, si- like a lot of scientists, a lot of, you know, just uh, activists in this field. And uh, this this uh, this group actually, uh, such initiative on the, uh, you know, really policy-making level, it's one of, the, one of the few in the world. I would say that there are uh, quite significant activities of similar level in Singapore, but uh, probably UK and Singapore are, you know, the most leading countries in the field in terms of, you know, formulating the national strategy on uh, health and longevity. And uh, by the way, just in case, on 11th of uh, November next week, there will be second longevity and governance uh, summit organized under umbrella of this uh, APPG on longevity uh, with support of longevity, uh, longevity International UK. So they will discuss, uh, you know, Topics: How different countries are addressing this issue of aging population. Some of them are, you know, just uh, uh, reacting, like um, uh, let's say, they addressing this only in the reactive mode. Uh, and some governments, some countries, some nations are actually, you know, forecasting this problem, and they're also analyzing opportunities because uh, there's uh, there's the problem of aging population, but there's also extreme opportunity of uh, health and longevity and the nation which will actually you know use this opportunity uh, it will become not only the best nation in terms of providing their citizens with most uh, precious uh, precious you know benefits in a sense of health and longevity but also because of health and longevity of uh, their nation that nation uh, will uh, you know almost uh, undoubtedly will become quite prosperous in terms of, you know, financial uh, prosperity. Plus, I'm I'm curious uh, if you haven't been in touch with Japan in that regard, right? Because they have a massively aging population and they're a wealthy nation which has felt this problem. So I would imagine that you you could have a a conversation with them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Let's say, you know, uh, quite significant part of speakers uh, at that uh, Longevity Garden Summit there will be, uh, it will be people from Japan, uh, including scientists, including, you know, policymakers and, you know, government officials. So I would say Japan is very active uh, in the field. Uh, they indeed do understand. First of all, uh, their government and their nation do understand, their policymakers, they, they do understand that this is tremendous issues for, you know, for their country. This is for a second. They do understand that uh, they need to develop, uh, you know, quite sophisticated strategy. Uh, they collaborating with a number of countries, first of all, starting with UK, uh, you know, exploring experience of other countries, of other nations, how to structure this, uh, you know, new strategy, new industrial strategy. And I think that uh, uh, probably in the next several years, uh, we will see quite interesting, you know, developments in, in, in Japan on this matter. Uh, they, they, they have some, you know, some, let's say, uh, specific uh, national cultural issues in the sense that they're quite, you know, conservative, maybe to some extent bureaucratic. Uh, however, uh, at the same time, they are quite tangible. You know, when when they're making some decisions, they're kind of uh, pursuing them. So that's why I think there will be a number of nations in the next two, three years will see where on the, you know, on the level of their country and government, they will be formulated very clear agenda what to do and how to do uh, and, uh, you know, what uh, particular strategy to implement in terms of national industrial strategy on health and longevity. Got it. Dimitri, uh, one of the things that I I thought was interesting is, you know, we're talking about this topic right now on a national level, a national strategy. We have talked about it as a business imperative. You can earn an enormous amount of money here. Um, It's also obviously a personal challenge. And you put out a kind of a personal challenge in the media a while back where you pledged a $1 million prize to the first person who will reach their 100 23rd birthday. Can you tell me about that 
initiative. Why did you pick 123? Uh, I, I, I'm kind of digging into history here, and you, it, it seems like the world's oldest person uh, almost made it to 123. Uh, when do you expect to pay out this prize? And uh, which, where would this pe person be living in your prediction? Uh, I don't know where uh, the person will be living because, uh, you know, I think that... Uh, are you tracking the candidates? Are you tracking the candidates? Because surely there aren't that many. Yeah, so Agent Clinics Agency one year ago made special case study on uh, all super centenarians who are living now on, uh, you know, several hundred super centenarians who longed, uh, uh, lived the most. And plus to that, you know, people... Uh, super centenarians who are the most active, like physically or socially. And uh, yes, we are monitoring all of them. And, um, you know, I think that person will be living in so-called longevity valley. Uh, I can predict that in the next uh, three, five years, there will be a number of towns or maybe even countries, most likely it will be small countries. I would foresee that Switzerland might, may become, you know, one of those countries. And I think that... Uh, that person most likely will be, uh, will be living in such a specific environment will be, you know, extremely good, uh, let's say, nature, a pure environment, but also quite advanced science, technology, and multiple other components required for, you know, uh, uh, extra long living. Now, to go back to that price. Indeed, uh, Jean Calment, uh, she was living in uh, Paris. She died back in 1997 at the age of 122 years and six months. Uh, it was 23 years ago. Uh, apparently, you can uh, understand that during this uh, last 23 years, the progress in biomedicine uh, was just kind of tremendous. Uh, apparently, she had a very strong predisposition for, like, genetic predisposition for extra long living. However, of course, it's, uh, again, logical. If she would be living now, uh, I will have, uh, to, you know, to pay her this price. And uh, because apparently, uh, science, uh, medicine will be able to, prolong your life at least up to 123 years, most likely up to 125, even more. And uh, the idea of that price, <clears throat> uh, because it was uh, back in 2015, actually to, you know, to promote this idea that uh, there were people who, who lived very long and, uh, in, and it was uh, even not in 21st century. In 21st century, it makes sense uh, to consider that people will live and the average life expectancy will be beyond 100 uh, years. It will be 120 years, 100, maybe 25. And, uh, you know, the more there will be the progress in science technology, uh, uh, the higher will be this, uh, you know, expectation about estimated uh, life expectancy. Well, I think it's interesting to think about, uh, if you think about the past, I mean, there are stories, obviously, of people who lived an enormous long time. And if you go back to kind of the Bible and other places, you know, there, there are these uh, kind of anecdotal evidence about people who lived for a very long time. Um, uh, is there any evidence uh, of, you know, people who have become 120 plus years that they died of very, very preventable diseases today? In other words, if you had intervened with the 2020 medical establishment or, or even the like 10 years before they died, had started to put them in the right place with the right technologies and the right doctors or, or the right, you know, whatever it is, uh, you know, um, the right way to eat or whatever it is, could these people, these individuals, in your estimation, have lived another decade just purely based on some extra monitoring? I mean, this is speculation, but it's just kind of uh, interesting. Yes. So let's say, uh, technically speaking, uh, we do not have yet enough information, enough data. Uh, however, you know, we can uh, apply some uh, logic. And uh, <clears throat> I would also probably, I would like to highlight here such term, uh, which is named escape velocity <clears throat> and <clears throat> also technology readiness level. <clears throat> so um, if the person will succeed to live another 10 years during the next 10 years multiple <clears throat> technologies which are now um, not yet ready then in development but uh, during the next 10 years they will become uh, ready to the market so their technology readiness level will increase you know they will become uh, let's say uh, practically applicable especially to human uh, longevity that means that uh, the person who will succeed to live additional next 10 years, 
will get access to actually a bundle of new technologies. So now, for example, in 2020, I do have access to quite a lot of, let's say, several hundreds of technology. But in uh, next 10 years, in 2030, I will have access to several thousands of technologies. And those thousand uh, technologies uh, most likely will guarantee that I will live another additional 10 years. And uh, during that additional, between 2030 and 2040, uh, you know, science and technology will deliver us uh, tens of thousands of technologies, you know, uh, different, uh, very specific, you know, safe solutions for not only uh, preventive medicine, uh, you know, which will be able to protect us from a specific age-related disease, for example, such as cancer or diabetes, but also uh, slow down aging, biological aging, and uh, most likely even reverse aging. And that will be the point of uh, achieving so-called escape velocity. Whenever, when you are living one additional year, uh, you, are, uh, you know, the progress, uh, practical progress is uh, delivering so much uh, additional technology that uh, it gives you additional one year, for example, and uh, one day. And this is, you know, growing uh, with, uh, let's say, increasing curve. So that's why, uh, like, technically speaking, maybe, you know, we will speak in the next 10 years, we'll speak about normal life expectancy, like uh, 130 years or maybe 150 years. Dimitri, that's, this is fascinating. But it does bring me to, to one question. If progress, according to what you're analyzing, you know, with current um, investment is going to reach that kind of escape velocity. Why then have you proposed sort of like a Manhattan project for longevity? It would seem to me that if your analysis is that already, we are already in various ways, if you just start collecting the data, there are startups, there are organizations, and, and just regular medicine, the, the development of public health is kind of moving in this direction. Why then have you... Start, pr proposed, uh, because I understand in various fora you have proposed that there should be almost like a Manhattan project for longevity. Yeah. Is that even needed? And, and, and if, is that more to kind of focus the attention? Or is it because you think there are some specific big challenges that we're going to, uh, similarly to this escape velocity argument, we're going to face perhaps some big obstacles, some sort of future COVID disease or whatever it is, that's going to need a much higher level of investment compared to even the description that you just kind of gave me now. Um, yes, uh, this is quite interesting question, very important question. So first of all, because of COVID pandemics, we do see that uh, multiple industries are actually you know, facing extreme crisis. Uh, they're you know, decreasing, they're stagnating, uh, they're collapsing. Uh, however, biotech industry, biomedicine industry, especially preventive medicine uh, field, uh, they are now facing, you, you know, really a bounce of investments. This is one of the very few industries which actually on the rise and uh, many, many reasonable investors, you know, now switching their attention from other industries, you know, some, something like real estate or tourism towards uh, particular biotech and, uh, you know, advanced biomedicine. And th this is, uh, in, in that sense, this pandemic crisis actually to, uh, to some extent is uh, for good. Now, uh, from our opinion, you know, indeed, uh, this achievement of escape velocity for people of average age, let's say for people who are now 40, uh, most likely probably because there is already uh, quite a lot of investments in uh, quite a lot of attention to biotech, biomedicine, even longevity specifically topic. So they will achieve, uh, you know, uh, evolutionary in the sense uh, without any additional, you know, uh, let's say support or acceleration. Uh, maybe in 10 years from now, there will be indeed a balance of those technologies. However, uh, we are talking about why not to make it in, uh, instead of 10 years, why not to make it in seven years? And our next book, Longevity Industry 2.0, it will be, so if this first book, uh, Longevity 1.0, it, it was about how the industry evolved, how, it uh, how we came where we are now and the current state of the industry. Our next book will be how, what, uh, naturally will be achieved in 10 years or maybe 15 years. So how to make it done that it will be done, uh, you know, achieved in seven years. And plus to that, how to forecast different roadblocks and potential, you know, uh, negative, uh, let's say, issues or maybe, you know, some potential, you know, uh, crisis points and uh, how to avoid those roadblocks and uh, roadblocks and uh, potential threats. 
for positive development of the industry. And uh, uh, to achieve this, uh, even in 10 years, and more of it, for example, in seven years, we think that uh, at least $1 trillion should be invested, injected into R&D, in uh, geroscience, in, in, the, uh, you know, in this regenerative, uh, regenerative medicine, let's say, uh, science and technology of longevity. One trillion dollar might sound something like futuristic, <clears throat> but let's consider this in you know quite simple, pragmatic way. This is uh, approximately 100 billions per year. So over 10 years, 100 billions per year in total, one trillion dollar. For your awareness, uh, on cancer research, uh, humanity is now spending around 150 uh, billions of dollars per year, uh, which uh, gives us uh, one and a half trillion dollar uh, during the uh, last 10 years. Cancer, 10 years ago, was considered as uh, something close to, you know, death sentence. Uh, after 10 years, with these investments, with this, you know, attention of society and, you know, scientific community uh, to oncology, uh, cancer is now considered, in most cases, very complex. However, in most cases, treatable disease. And uh, the very same could be done with uh, aging. It can, perhaps, but on the other hand, the counter-argument, Dimitri, is that money doesn't necessarily solve a problem. Like famously, Nixon, right, in the in the 50s was trying to solve cancer, and they started pouring money out, you know, in the 50s in America, and it was just too early. So most of that money arguably was wasted. The, I was just thinking about Alzheimer's disease. I mean, you know, here's a disease where, you know, arguably over the last 10 years, they thought they could solve it. And then all of the medicines that were in stage, uh, you know, in any advanced stage uh, trials, they failed in the human trials and they, they never made it to the market. Uh, and they have been a hugely disappointing progress for humanity in, in this disease, very serious disease. What is there to stop uh, that kind of development to occur? You know, because you can invest billions of dollars, but if it's too early or if you just don't make the progress, you, you know, uh, you're yeah. wasting your money. You're right. Uh, so first of all, uh, science of longevity should take a lot of, you know, lessons uh, from a, a negative previous experience. And, you know, even issues with, uh, you know, cancer research, there, there were quite a lot of positive progress, but uh, previously there was, uh, you know, period of, you know, quite uh, complicated, um, let's say, challenges. The very same with uh, Alzheimer's. And with uh, all other HLA diseases, I have one answer. What we, in particular, are going to make, you know, how how we are going to optimize uh, this challenge, and uh, at the same time, how we're going to see some of uh, you know business opportunities. So, from our point of view, one of the crucial and probably game-changing, uh, you know, um, thresholds will be establishment of uh, specialized longevity stock exchange, and uh, stock exchange with their specific rules how the companies will be able to, uh, you know, go public there. So the folks will be not on their financial performance, but on their technological due diligence to exclude opportunity for such, uh, you know, um, shady companies, for example, such as Ferranos with overhyped uh, kind of like black box technologies. Uh, so the idea is, uh, the idea is that uh, that marketplace uh, will have very strong capabilities to make diligence and uh, prevent uh, companies without actually validated uh, technologies to, to go public. On the other hand, if companies go public on that uh, stock exchange, they're getting access to you know quite significant uh, liquidity, including conservative investors, uh, which are not uh, which cannot invest into you know startups or private equity. They can invest into only into public trade companies. I'm talking about institutional investors. On the other hand, such marketplace will protect. Uh, investors from, you know, this uh, overhyped or non-validated uh, uh, technologies and, uh, let's say, claims. And uh, uh, in, uh, in actually in this market of uh, marketplace, we have uh, specialized exchanges. For example, in commodities, it's a London Metal Exchange, specific, very big stock exchange focused on all kinds of metals. One year ago, there was established Silicon Valley Exchange supported by Andreas Corvitz. It is a specialized stock exchange for deep tech startups because in case of NASDAQ, the problem is that uh, late-stage investors, PAPO uh, investors, they're getting much more 
benefits compared with early stage investors. Whereas for deep tech startups, uh, early stage investors, angel investors are the most essential, the most crucial. So the point is that uh, this longevity stock exchange, if it will be established, uh, it will have you know, to apply some very specific framework, legal framework and regulatory framework, but, but at the same time, you know, to endorse uh, relevant, uh, progressive, preventive medicine, advanced biomedicine uh, companies uh, to go public and to, you know, actually like to to merge them, you know, to, to uh, uh, let's say, to, to create, you know, this uh, pipeline, how they can get easily in touch with uh, relevant investors, including institutional investors. Uh, and uh, this, this is the way how this, you know, $1 trillion could be injected in R&D. Dimitri, my last question for you. This is very fascinating. Um, how do you track this field? Uh, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit, and and I, you've also sent me a reading list. So you know, I've cheated and I've read some of the stuff on the reading list. But for for listeners, um, obviously, I will link up uh, some you know all of your work. Uh, in addition, on this reading list, you have a bunch of books that you know. I mean, some of them are are about business, but others are 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 about uh, kind of this uh, AI and longevity problem. But if someone was to, to get deeply inspired by this and really want to track the longevity market, what is your best advice, you know, apart from yourself and your organizations and those startups that we have talked about so far, what are some of the other places, uh, influencers or investors, where people can get insight on, on this you know, kind of uh, emerging longevity market? Uh, so first of all, subscribe to the website of our book, longevity-book.com. Uh, of course, I would recommend, first of all, to read this book because it, it will provide you know, quite a lot of uh, say insights and understanding what does mean longevity industry and what and where to track, you know, and what is uh, where happening. Uh, the second, subscribe to agentanalyst.com. This is uh, the website of uh, this analytical entity. And as I mentioned, in the next several months, uh, this company will launch uh, specialized analytical dashboards, which will be actually, you know, in real time monitoring, tracking uh, uh, more than 50,000 of entities, including uh, something around 10,000 scientists and influencers in the field, working in the field. Can you repeat the URL that people should go to? So it's aginganalytics.com. Okay. And uh, in, in general, you know, to, to, to see what we are doing, uh, our major website is dkv.global. Okay. Thank you very much. This has been fascinating. I mean, uh, whether it is a 70, you know, 17 trillion or 70 trillion dollar market, certainly the numbers are big. Uh, and whether it is solving cancer or Alzheimer or living longer or living healthier or solving COVID uh, or, 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 or anything in between or, or, or anything beyond, this certainly is a discussion that's not going to end you know, with our, uh, our podcast. It's a massive topic that you have. It's a massive quest, really, that you have begun. Dimitri, it's been a fascinating discussion. I hope we can stay in touch and, and check in with you because if, if you are right and the progress is, is going to be so exponential, I, I want to be part of a discussion three years from now, seven and ten years from now. And let's see when we reach this kind of escape velocity. It's a fascinating thought. Thank you very much. Thank you. It was my pleasure. And uh, you know, I would uh, like to wish everybody to stay healthy and to extend particularly healthful longevity. Thank you. I'm sure we all need that. Thanks very much. Thank you. You have just listened to episode 67 of the Futurized podcast with host Ronarne Unheim, futurist and author. The topic was the future of longevity. Our guest was Dmitry Kaminsky, partner at Deep Knowledge Ventures. In this conversation, we talked about what longevity is and why it matters if we live longer. We discussed the difference between health span and lifespan. We looked at the intersection of age tech, wealth tech, and fintech. And what about the silver tsunami of aging? We discussed quality-adjusted life years, or qualies, and all the scenarios, including the rise of the policy scene for longevity, biomarkers on the path to population health, and how AI intersects with longevity. We discussed P4 medicine, or preventive, precision, personalized, and participatory medicine. 
who will reach their 123rd birthday first. Dimitri argues we should have a Manhattan project for longevity. We discussed the longevity industries phase 1.0 and 2.0 towards the next trillion dollar industry. My takeaway is that longevity may indeed be the next trillion dollar industry and may perhaps be the most complex industry as well. Staying in good health is an important shared goal across the globe and our health is constantly under threat from diseases, including aging. However, there is a drastic difference in the goals of increasing health span versus increasing lifespan. To my mind, there might even have to be a significant ethical debate whether lifespan is worth increasing on a general basis. Do we really need to live that much longer? Is there an optimal lifespan and does it depend on the available resources or the available meaning of life that the individual has at any given time? These are complex questions without obvious answers. Thanks for listening. If you liked the show, subscribe at futurize.co or in your preferred podcast player and rate us with five stars. If you like this topic, you may enjoy other episodes of Futurized, such as episode 55, AI for Medicine, episode 19 on digital health, episode 26, how to write a book on the future of healthcare, episode 30 on artificial general intelligence, episode 35 on augmented reality, episode 47 on how to infest in sci-fi tech, and episode 54 on the future of AR. Futurized, preparing you to deal with disruption. <laughs>